countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Like That's so right, we're opening you. up the coffin boxes this week Welcome on the last comic the shop. It's the crypts. Done something up for you. Make sure that you turn on Skidamax. It's the breast show on TV. <laughs> wow. We so. are opening the shop to newbies to help them find their way underneath the Cinemax tent. No, the comic book tent. That's right. Yeah, that's the sad of the Cinemax tent, kids. Yeah, we're keeping the lights on for the oldies that uh, get that reference, and uh, hopefully weren't scared away by our spooky opening today. Yeah, I'm I'm those with the most, Eddie Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and J.I. Scott, and uh, we're going trick or treating again this week. Trick or treating for great comics. That's right. All this month here in uh, October, we have been reviewing spooky and horror related comic books. We did some great ones thus far. We've done uh, ones from Stephen King's son. Joe Hill, he's awesome. And then we did Frankencastle last week, and this week we're finally getting to an Eisner Award winner that we've talked about quite a lot on this show. Well, at least once. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as a lot. But he has got the most epic name in all of comic bookdom. James Tinian the Fourth. And the book is Something is Killing the Children. Out of Boom Studios. But before we get to that uh, book, uh, we are going to do a little bit of Halloween trivia on the opening segment of The Last Comic Shop for all of our fans. And unlike some of the other games that we've played on this show, uh, this one actually doesn't really have a lot to do with comics. It's actually just Halloween trivia. I thought I'd give uh, all of our listeners and our co-hosts a break from just having to talk about comic books all the time. And we'll talk about some Halloween trivia and fun facts that you can throw out at one of those Halloween parties when you're really massively drunk and need something to talk about because the costume's not working for you. So standard rules, as often we do on these uh, quiz shows, It'll be Chad versus J.A. Uh, each of you will get 10 questions. And at the end, whoever has the most right out of those 10 questions will be declared the winner and will not have their house toilet paper by my kids. We're going to go ahead and flip a coin and to see who goes first. We're going to let J.A. call it in the air. J.A., call it. Heads. It is Heads. J.A. will go first. Most of these are multiple choice, luckily for you. But the first question is, the first jack-o'-lanterns were made out of what? A. Turnips, B. Watermelons, C. Coconuts, or D. Pumpkins? I'm going to go watermelon. And you would be incorrect. The actual correct answer is turnips. Turnips! The first jack-o'-lanterns were made in Ireland. Out of hollowed-out turnips, a piece of coal was inserted into the hollow, and the lantern was meant to guide the way of poor old Jack, who wasn't welcome in heaven, but was also barred from entering hell for tricking the devil. There's your fun fact number one. Question number two, J.A. Halloween is generally considered to evolve from what ancient festival? Ostra? Samhan? 
Lamas or Beltane? Can I phone a friend? <laughs> I'm going to go Lamas, but it's probably Beltane. That is incorrect. The correct answer, Sam Hain. Sam. Right. I knew yes. the Batman movie was going to yes. win. Although there are many theories of the origin of the history of Halloween, it's generally accepted that the Halloween dates back to an ancient Celtic festival called Samhain, or the Celtic New Year. Question number three. According to legend, unibrows, tattoos, and the long middle finger are signs of what Halloween creature? Golems, werewolves, vampires, or witches? Witches. That is incorrect, sir. The correct answer is... Golems? Werewolves! Werewolves. Okay. All right. Other common traits include unusual strength, irrational fear of water, glow-in-the-dark of eyes, and an an insatiable hunger for Alpo dog food. No, I just made that (laughs) Question number four. In which century did the practice of trick-or-treating begin? 18th century, the 20th century, the 14th century, or the 16th century? I'm going to go 16th century. 16th century. It is correct for your first. Way, finally. In North America, trick-or-treating began to develop as Halloween tradition in the 1920s, but the European tradition of going house-to-house collecting food at Halloween goes far back as the 16th century. That has to be the best and weirdest holiday tradition for sure. <laughs> Let's go to everybody else's house and make them give us candy. <laughs> Well, this was collecting food. So it's like, can I have some turnips? I've noticed you've been wasting them. (laughs) Putting coal in them and things. Question number five. Which which of the following is not a term for a scarecrow? A mockin', a bawak, a gallybagger, or a doodle sack? A gallybagger. A gallybagger, he says. That is incorrect. Uh, The correct answer is a doodle doodle sack. I knew it. I knew it sounded bad, but I was like, no, it's so bad, it's good. A doodle sack is actually an old English word for something your dad would play, a bagpipe. (laughs) Your dad does play a mean bagpipe. That's the truth. Uh, Number six, from base to point... What are the order of the colors on a piece of candy corn? Now, you don't get a multiple choice on this. The colors, though, are orange, white, and yellow. So from the base to the point. White, yellow, orange. White, yellow, orange. That's your answer? It's yellow, orange, white, baby. It's yellow, orange, white. That is correct. Wait a minute. The base... Oh, I was thinking the tip is the... I flipped around the the tip in the base. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Question number seven, and we're getting into the first of the movie questions. Which of these Halloween films was not directed by Tim Burton? Nightmare Before Christmas, Frankenweenie, The Corpse Bride, or Beetlejuice? Frankenweenie. That is incorrect, sir. Mm. Correct answer is... Nightmare Before Christmas. It was produced and conceived by Tim Burton, but it was directed by Henry Selleck. (laughs) (laughs) Bombing this quiz. I know you are, but here, here's a gimme question. I don't know if I should even give you a multiple choice on this. Question number eight, what what might you bob for at Halloween? Apples, pumpkin, sweet potatoes, or Snickers? Apples. That is correct. The bobbing for apples is a traditional Halloween game in which a tub or large basin is filled with apples and water. 
because the apples are less dense, they will float to the surface. And if you ever play with Jad Smith, watch out, because he'll headbutt you. That's right. He's no prisoners. He is brutal at that game. Trust me, I once got a black eye. Question number nine. If you want to keep spirits away from your home on Halloween, what should you sprinkle on your doorstep? Garlic, holy water, salt, or sage? Spirits, not just vampires. Spirits. Spirits, yes. So I'm going to go sage. Sage, he says. That's a good call. That is incorrect. That's not the most sage-like decision. I was going to say salt. And that is correct. Salt is usually laid around the boundaries of a room to prevent spirits and demons from entering. The final question, J.A. What classic horror film is actually based on a true story? The Blair Witch Project, Poltergeist, the Amityville Horror, or Halloween? Amityville Horror. That is correct. It is based on the alleged experiences of the Lutz family who bought a New England home at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, to bring okay. things full circle, I think the first time I saw that on Cinemax. There you go. So you got three out of ten, J.A. That's not too shabby. Let's go ahead and get... Uh, Setting the bar high for Chad. Setting the bar high. There we high. go. All right, Chad, here are your ten questions. Number one, according to Superstition, if you stare into a mirror at midnight on Halloween, what will you see? Your future spouse, dead ancestors, the Bloody Mary, or your death? I'm going to go with my death. That is incorrect, sir. Ah. It is your future spouse. I wonder what my current spouse would say about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chad, here's a gimme. In It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, who does Linus mistake for the Great Pumpkin? Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Pig Pun, or Lucy? I'm going to say Snoopy. That is correct. I stood in a pumpkin patch and all I saw was a beagle. You owe me restitution. Uh, speaking of which, if you ever have an opportunity, uh, Fantagraphics put out these really wonderful little comic books. The original uh, Charles Schultz um, Peanuts strips that originally talked about the great pumpkin. You can pick them up. They're awesome for kids. Question number 13. What Michael Jackson song was adapted by American Werewolf in London director John Landis? For a highly successful Halloween-themed music video, would that be Werewolves of London and Black Magic Woman, Somebody's Watching Me, or Thriller? Thriller! That is correct. Thriller was adapted by John Landis into the highly successful music video. That was also just too easy. That's right, Jay. It's also two out of three easy. I'm getting all these questions about, like, ancient Celtic names for things, and he gets friggin' layups. Question four for Chad. What product is banned in Hollywood on Halloween? Toilet paper, ski mask, silly string, or razor blades? Oh, jeez. I'll say silly string. That is correct! Ah! I guess if you're caught with it, you have to pay a $1,000 fine. Wow. At least toilet paper you can use later, right? Question number five. What movie convinced most people to get rid of their Ouija boards? The Exorcist, Witchboard, Paranormal Activity, or White Noise? Uh, I gotta go with The Exorcist. That is correct. During World War One, almost every household in the United States had a Ouija board. Why? In 1922, Ouija boards even outsold Monopoly. After watching the movie, many people destroyed their Ouija boards out of fear. 
Question number six. How many colors of M&Ms are there in a normal bag? Eight, seven, six, or five? I'm going to say five. Chad said five, and that was incorrect. What do you think it is, J.A.? I'll give you a point if you can get this one. Do I do, like, prices right? Can I go six and I get everything above? <laughs> <laughs> no, you get one chance to get an extra six. point. Six. I'm still going with six. There are six colors in the normal bag. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and brown. So J.A. gets a point for that. Oh, no. From now on, J.A. can just steal because he was so far behind and Chad's doing so well at this. Question seven. What ghost did British Prime Minister Winston Churchill reportedly see in the White House? Would that be Willie Lincoln, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, or Andrew Jackson? I'm going to say Abraham Lincoln. He's the coolest ghost. That would be correct. After taking a long bath, and naked except for a cigar, he walked into an adjoining bedroom, and there was Abraham Lincoln at the fireplace. Also naked, smoking a cigar. <laughs> Thus began a beautiful friendship. Okay? <laughs> Question number eight. Uh, the popular Halloween candy buyback program. Kids sell their uneaten candy to local dentists who redistribute it to whom? Military troops, nursing homes, starving countries, or orphanages? Because they don't care about teeth. I was going to say, I'm going to go with the troops. The troops. Military yeah. troops. That is correct. But also, also, like, it's the 21st century. There are not a lot of orphanages around. <laughs> Question nine. How is the mysterious flavor of Dum Dum Lollipops made? So the mystery flavor. You know, the one with the purple yeah. wrapper on Dum Dums. It's either pineapple or buttered popcorn. It's an overlap of two batches of candy. It's a random mix of leftover ingredients, or it's just a regular dum-dum in a different wrapper. I'm going to go with both C and D, but D first and foremost. All right, so D is your answer then. Yes. That is incorrect. Um, J.A., you can steal. An overlap of two batches of candy. That is correct. Rather than shut down production and clean out the machine between batches, the company keeps lollipops so they're a little flavor A and a little flavor B and puts them in a question mark and then says they're the mystery flavor. So I'm going to give you that one, too. I still think Chad's going to win this. But last question of this Halloween quiz challenge. What horror film is widely regarded to have popularized the found footage film technique? Chronicle, The Blair Witch Project, Cloverfield or Paranormal Activity? Uh, Blair Witch. That is correct. Those lost filmmakers in the Black Hills. Uh, so J.A. had a grand total of five for this game with two that he stole from Chad. But Chad still came in first place with seven questions. So Chad is the wonderful winner of this year's Halloween Quiz Bowl Challenge thing. Does that yeah, mean I, you have to fly over and toilet paper my house? <laughs> yeah, these kids. I'll just mail you a bunch of toilet paper and you can do it yourself. In any case, we'll be right back with more of The Last Comic Shop right after these messages with an actual comic book review. Yeah, we still do that on this show. And it is Something is Killing the Children. That, that's very ominous. Found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC Universe? 
Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News. last comic shop and it is now time for a read pile review yes where we decide to finally read a book by this author of a lot of comic books that a lot of people seem to like or at least the eisner awards like him because boy he's got like a whole trophy case at this point yes it is the king of the andals and the first man lord of the seven kingdoms protector of the realm and fourth of his name james tinian the fourth I should start just putting that behind my name, even though I'm the first. I'll be like, I am Andrew Larson the first. Esquire. But yeah, it's uh, it's this great book called Something is Killing the Children. A great book for this Halloween season, given it deals with monsters and things that go bump in the night. And it's real, real gory. Man, there's a lot of nasty stuff in this book. Any case... One thing that's not nasty is the creators. So other than James Tinian IV, Chad, who else worked on this particular series? So you had, uh, well, James Tinian IV, Werther Del Eldra does the illustrations. Colors are done by Mikhail Muerto, who is very much so alive. Letters by And World Design. And as Andrew was alluding to, it has uh, done well as far as Eisner's go, picking up a nomination for Best New Series in 2020 was nominated for the Harvey Award in 2020 for Book of the Year. And then James Tinian won in 2021-2022 for Best Writer. And it tied in the Eisners in 2022 for Best Continuing Series. Uh, this is J.A.'s pick for the Halloween season. So, J.A., why don't you give us the 10 cents synopsis? What happened in the first five issues? So, just to throw it out there, we just read the first volume, which you can pick up in a trade out of Boom Studios, but what happens in those first five issues? There is something, and it is killing children. And no one knows what it is, except this machete chick named Erica Slaughter, who shows up and deals with that something that is killing the children. Spoiler alert, the something that is killing children is monsters. The cool conceit is that unless you are in the special no, if you are an adult, you cannot see them, because as adults, you don't believe in monsters. But kids who still believe in monsters and everything that goes bump in the night, they can see the monsters, and they invariably are the ones that are killed by said monster, unless Machete Badass Chick shows up with her white hair and ponytail face mask with a monster face on it to Machete. Or when she lost her machetes to the p- cops... She went to the hardware store and got 
not the good chainsaw that can stop automatically, but the janky chainsaw that will keep running and keep chewing and cutting, even if you let go of it. Obviously, you've got cops don't know what's going on, and so they arrest her, and then they let her go, and there's talk of this sort of secret enclave of everyone who's in the know. What we haven't determined yet is why monsters are killing the children. I don't know if they get into that yet. We know the what and we know the who, but we don't know the why yet. Yes. Well, it was one of those series that did kind of immediately hook me. And so I I won't lie that immediately upon finishing volume one, I went out and got a bunch more. I I, kind of sort of needed to know what happened next that james tinian he writes a mean comic book it's very uh much like i don't know like uh, a brian k vaughn like he knows how to spin a yarn and just get you kind of sucked in and you're like whoa what's gonna happen next so that's my initial thought but let's hear what you thought ja given this was your pick and you had a bunch of other ones that you could have picked for the Halloween season, including Eisner Award nominee, The Many Deaths of Lila Starr, and Ultra Mega, and a bunch of other ones. Why did you pick this one? I think this one was perfectly picked for the Halloween season. It's, it's more gory, it's very gory, very bloody, but also deals a lot of, uh, of what makes Halloween, at least good Halloween movies, scary. It's not what you see, it's what you don't see that scares you. Because often when you see it, it looks janky. Or, you know, a man in a rubber suit or something. But the best horror movies are the movies that almost never let you see the villain. You'll get Alien. That's why Aliens 3 was so horrible when they had to do all that animation with the mat and the... It's just bad. But the original, where you can hardly ever see the alien and you always just catch a glimpse of the arm or the leg or the face, that's what makes things scary. This is that... There's this instant foreboding, because, I mean, like, from page three, when, when the first kids are dead, James Tinian, I think, does really well at just building up this sense of dread and mystery and not know what's going on. It reminded me a lot of, like, Jaws, where it's gory, but you don't know what's going on, and you just have this impending sense of dread. Something bad is going to happen, and you just don't know when, and you don't know where, and you've got the cops that are obviously over their head in some tiny little town in the middle of nowhere. So I'll jump in and just piggyback off of that. The other thing that uh, Tinian does so well is they have the survivors. So you have the one kid who's gotten away while his three other friends were killed by that thing that's killing the children. You've got the older brother whose sister has gone missing, can feel the emotions of all these characters. And, you know, it's more than just the horror. It's the aftermath. And sure, they bring in uh, this badass character named Erica Slaughter. And I love the scene where, like, is that your real name? Your driver's license is printed out on a piece of cardboard. <laughs> like, but it doesn't matter. She's so cool. And, like, yeah, she's the monster hunter with the chainsaws and whatever else it's going to take. But it's the fact that everything is so grounded. And you see, you know, the family members suffering. You see the one kid that survived. You know, everyone at school thinks he did it. You know, everyone at school spreading rumors and, you know, even though he survived, it's not like he's come away unscathed from his experience. It's all very traumatic, very, very terrifying all around. So, yeah, good, good on them, I guess. Well, yeah, you, you talk about Erica Slaughter being kind of like a badass character and she is like, I mean, she's doing, you know, ninja flips with, you know, chainsaws and all kinds of stuff. And she always seems to be kind of in control of the situation, but also 
there's a lot more to her, even in these in this first volume, than what James Tinian's leading on. She's kind of got like this weird octopus stuffed animal that she talks to, which I thought was just awesome because it was just like the most creepy ass Muppet I ever saw. And like the fact that it's got one eye that's like missing, like, you know, like the, the button eyes. It's She talks to it for the first time and he goes, yes. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what's going on with her? She's obviously got PTSD. She's obviously seen some stuff. And she's just kind of walking, like almost in a trance from town to town, solving these these problems. And, and she's being led by the nose by this mysterious organization. To Jay's point, knows a lot more than even she does. Uh, for as knowledgeable as she seems in a lot of these scenes, like she's still, she's the gun, but she's not the person pulling the trigger. It's It, it makes you feel for that character. Because we've all been in that situation where... You know, we, we're not really the ones even in control of our own destinies, even though other people look at us like we're the smartest people in the room. We're like, nope, like we're just we're still figuring this out ourselves, too. Uh, and so that makes for an interesting protagonist. Yeah. And I want to know what's going on with that that thing in the side of her head that she shows off briefly in the first issue. It's like the glowing diamond. And then she's got the scar going back behind her ear. Is that where she was? initiated so that she could see the monsters as well or what is that what's going on with that uh they they show it briefly in the first issue and then they don't show it for the rest of the run that we read so you've read a bit farther do they ever go and address that <laughs> well I, I i'm not gonna say enough just say yes or no 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 that's that's part of why you keep reading this book it's not my fault you guys stopped and I kept going. I'm not going to give it away. We're re- reviewing the first volume, kids. The first volume. This is a mystery that keeps on building. These characters. She's green eyes. Oh, yes, that's a thing. So she what, she can see the monsters because she has green eyes. And at the end, she, she stabs that guy with this, like, <laughs> Sharpie marker. And now he can see monsters because he got green eyes. Um... <clears throat> Let's let's just keep moving on. Let's keep moving on. Some other things that I really like about these this first particular volume is the fact that again, to Jay's point, you don't see the monster. For example, like Forbidden Planet, classic uh, sci-fi movies where you don't ever see the monster, mainly because they didn't have the budget for it. But they would just always make it invisible and projecting invisible force. And so that I, I just thought that was super neat, especially that one scene where you just see the wall just smashed open. And they're like, that ah, was a rabid bear. Hell, it was. The, the, the wall was smashed open, but none of the furniture was broken. Yes. What would have the force enough to blow off the wall, but yet leave the furniture untouched? He hates these walls. <laughs> Stay away from the walls. Stay away from the walls. He hates when couches are out of place. Put that couch back. Look for the little divot. There's a spot in the carpet. The one question I did have for Chad, though, is, uh, you know, one of the main other main characters in this book is a young kid uh, who basically sees the rest of his school kids disemboweled by this horrible, horrible monster. James. Wonder if he's meant to be James Tinian, the fourth. But the question I had for Chad is. You're a middle school teacher. This kid's about middle school age. Do you think the the writing was kind of spot on for like that that early adolescence? 
like, do you think James nailed it? Like in terms of the way the kids act and. Well, yeah, like, I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend this book for kids, but as far as an accurate portrayal, it, it does seem pretty spot on to this kid that's dealing with this trauma and nobody believes him. And even you're talking about Erica earlier. She keeps coming up with different like kids sidekicks. Like there's that one girl in the wagon with the eye patch thing. Yeah, wasn't that terrifying? I was like three pages in. I was like, hold on. Does she have legs? Did she have I, legs? I don't believe so, no. Was was she one of the victims and that was all that was left? Like, did she manage to escape or something? And that's... I, I And she's in a wagon! And I don't... I, mm, it's terrifying stuff. Yeah. I, if anything, and this is a, a spoiler, I guess, for my, my later opinion on the book... This stuff scares the bejesus out of me because it is handled, you know, well. It is handled in a way that, for all intents, of a story about kids going up against monsters. And it is traumatic, and you really feel for the characters in this book, and it really made me uncomfortable. That's the true horror there. It's just like when we watched The Omen, and I couldn't sleep for three weeks. Because yes. give me all the, the gore and whatever, and I can handle it. But give me a, a demon kid staring at a dog, and that's it. I'm not going to bed ever again. <laughs> but there was also some nice interplay with the dialogue. Like, you know, there's this one scene where they basically camp out at an Applebee's. It has big tables and nobody comes to these places anymore. They'll be gone in like another five years. The comparison to Brian K. Vaughn. And I, and I do think it fits. I think that's why James Tinian writes a, a mean comic book, because I feel like he can like him or Bendis or things. He has a way of incorporating very realistic ways of looking at things. Like things that you're just like, yeah, I, I grew up in a small town. Like this all kind of makes sense. And I think that's why it's awful because yeah. it hits too close to home. Even with this girl that can do backflips while wielding a chainsaw, it's still believable. Yeah, and talking to a stuffed octopus. <laughs> Don't forget that. Which, which which has a astral spirit thing coming out of it. Believe and is that true? Does nobody go to Applebee's anymore? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Wasn't there that popular country song about all going there and getting the and going on a date night and getting the the double shakes and the whipped cream things? Yeah. Nobody admits to going to those places, but people still go to those places. Well, one th place that we hope that you uh, come back to is the last comic shop. Right after these uh, commercial breaks, we're going to be getting to our rating. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, you got to get the fajitas, right? <laughs> they patented the sound. They patented the sound of the fajita in Applebee's. That's where you get the idea of being something is the sizzle. Does that mean no other restaurant can serve fajitas? They can, but they can't serve it with the same sound. Which means that... Probably something to do with the hot plate that they put them on. Oh. Can we get to this commercial break? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting hungry. Let's, right, let's talk more about fajitas. <laughs> Hazel always knew there was something special about her cat, Mooney, but she's still shocked when Mooney opens his mouth to tell her he's just had a vision. An ancient evil has awoken after centuries of sleep, and only one man can stop it, the legendary warrior, Beowulf. Unfortunately, it's been over a thousand years since he slayed a dragon, and he's been reincarnated as this guy. His name is Victor, and he's more unemployed millennial slacker than mighty warrior. 
go to monarchpublishing.net for a free sample comic. Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. And I'm Sean Flanagan. And we are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast covering the Ninja Turtle comic book series one issue at a time. Plus the video games, the cartoon show, the VHS tapes. If it's Ninja Turtles, we'll cover it. Ninja Turtle Nerds is available wherever you get your podcast. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our rating. It would be a tragedy for your hometown if you missed this segment, where we gave Something is Killing the Children a one out of four scale. So, J.A., what is our one out of four scale this week? We're going to go one out of four chainsaws. So ah! they, could be the, they could be nice new modern chainsaws with the automatic kill switch or crappy rundown models. I was yeah, going to say, according to Erica Slaughter, yeah, the jankier the better. And according to Ash Williams, too. I'm sure that Ash Williams got his chainsaw from S-Smart, and I'm sure it's a janky-ass chainsaw A beast well. with a mind of its own. Right. Shop smart, shop S-Smart. So uh, we're going to start off with Chad, because I, I, I don't know, Chad. I don't feel like you said a lot about Did you not like this book this week? Uh, no, I, I think it's a very well-done book, very intriguing. I don't like it. But no, I, I do think it... Tidian and Deladere actually do a fantastic job with the story they have. It's just, as somebody who, who spends time with kids in general, like, I, I don't like this. This is, it is gory and graphic and unnerving and maybe uncomfortable. And if I were to offer one critical note, because like I said, the art is, is solid. The story is great. I, I did feel like the first trade was just a snack. Like, it didn't feel like a full meal. And I could understand your, your impulse, Andy, to go and pick up the next trade so you can get an actual story out of this. Where I felt like this was five issues of cold open. Ah, You know what I mean? Like, there wasn't a, a ton of meat on the bone. But what was here was very, very scary and, uh, and very good. So, uh at the end of the day, because I think it could have been uh, just a, a, a skosh meteor, uh, I'm, I'm going to say 3.75 chainsaws, which would, that 0.75 would just make that janky one even jankier. So I think it works in their favor. <laughs> one question I did have for you, Chad, before you wrap up your rating is, uh, so this book tied with uh, Bitterroot this year at the 2022 Eisners for Best Continuing Series. If you were that Eisner Award judge and you had those two books, which one would you give the nod to? Yeah, that's unfair because I haven't read the most recent Bitterroot, nor have I read the most recent Something That's Killing the Children. But for personal preferences, and these are just my personal preferences, off the top of my head, I would go Bitterroot just because that was more compelling for me and more interesting. Whereas this, like, it seems mysterious, but at the same time, there's no mystery that this isn't really my bag. So, okay. better root gets the nod. All right. Well, I'm going to go next, uh, and I'm going to give this... I'm not going to give it a four, because I think I've given out a lot of fours this year. So, I'm going to say it's a 3.95. So, you're essentially saying that you have an automatic kill switch. So, <laughs> yours is the opposite of being the janky chainsaw yes, you've got a chainsaw true. with an automatic kill switch you're right i think also the reason i'm giving it a 3.95 is because i agree with chad the fact that i had to pick up volume two immediately 
is both a curse and and a blessing for this series. It's a blessing because it means that James Tinian IV has a gravy train. And people are going to jump on that gravy train and keep on reading. And with a lot of great comic book series nowadays, that's what you got. You got to write for the trades. You got to keep people coming back for more. But it's also a curse because I'm kind of old school. And I like to be able to sit down with, you know, something that I spent my hard-earned money on and be able to say, yep, that was a fulfilling story from beginning to end. And this was not. Yes, to give spoilers, the monster does kind of die at the end. You get that little satisfaction of that revenge. But um, at the same time, it just immediately goes into the next chapter. It's like, here's stuff. You know, you got to read more. And I'm like, ah, what if somebody wanted to jump off then? I don't know. That's just, I guess, not modern comic books. So 3.95. The art was beautiful, though. And I really like the covers. I really like the covers. I thought they were great. So, J.A., it was your pick. You're going last. Are we saying we don't like the book because the story keeps going after we're done reading? It's a series, a comic book series. The whole point is to read the next one and then read the next one. So your criticism is basically like, well, Han Solo didn't come back at the end of Empire Strikes Back. What happens if nobody wants to watch Return of the Jedi? I don't want to wait another three years. That's crap. Come on. No, I'm going to call you out on that because you've oftentimes said, like, I think we read, what, Nightwing, and you were just as critical about Nightwing because, like, meh, there was not enough going on in these 22, you know. Uh, No, that's because I was critical of the the page length of the comic book. These are actually, like, 30-page comics, so they're still slightly longer. But, yet, I see your point. I do think they pack much more story into this as as a fan of – old school Chris Claremont X-Men where you pick up a book and you have no idea what the heck is going on halfway through it. You're just like, okay, I'm on this train now. i got to figure this out. I like that. And in the first trade, it does tell a story. It just leaves a lot of things unsaid yet. We're getting into sort of the bigger mysteries and, and, and why, the why of the thing. I love this. I'm giving it four chainsaws. Janky as hell. Uh, you mentioned the art. One thing that I loved about Deladera's art is the monster creature creation. They were like monsters that kids would draw. You know, amorphous, eyes everywhere, teeth everywhere. It reminded me of, like, being a younger kid and, and drawing monsters, you know, the way kids would draw monsters where it's it's not fully formed it's sort of this dark scary shadowy thing and you can suddenly see eyes or claws or teeth but you don't get this like perfectly realized monster form and that's the kind of monsters that we see here i like it's a sort of a throwback where you know teenagers and kids are the ones who are in the know where the adults are sort of painted as a bit too clueless or they don't know what's going on they can't connect with this world, it's sort of like uh, E.T. in that sense, where the adults of the world can't truly comprehend or empathize with what the children are going through. So I loved it. I loved, as you said about James Tinney and the Fourths, the way he constructs the town. It really feels like middle America. I mean, this could be any place. It's got an Applebee's. It's got a Home Depot. 
it's got a small town sheriff's department that doesn't know what's going on. It's just classic Americana. And then there's this horrible something. The monsters are killing the children. So I agree that a lot was left unsaid and you've got to continue reading. But I'm not going to deduct points for a team of artists making me want to read more of what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm giving it four. All right. Well, in case you wanted to read more of not only Something is Killing the Children, uh, it's time now for recommendations, which uh, if you're out at that local comic book shop picking up the next trade of Something is Killing the Children or getting it on the racks because it is still a continuing series, you can also pick up these wonderful books, all of which are current as well. And we're going to go ahead and start off with Chad Smith. So Chad... What is one of those current books that people can pick up on the racks actually right now that is pretty awesome? As of this recording, I've not yet finished this story. I don't know if they've actually published the final issue, but it is called Do a Powerbomb by Danny Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. And the premise of this series is there is a mom who's a wrestler uh, who gets killed in the ring. Her opponent accidentally drops her mid-move. It's a tragic accident, and her daughter is there watching. And then 10 years later, uh, she ends up making a deal with a shadowy demon figure. And after 10 years of people not wanting to let this daughter wrestle, this guy's like, I'll let you wrestle in this tournament. And the winner can bring someone back to life. And so that is the premise of Do a Powerbomb. She enters into that tournament, and hilarity and tragedy and Daniel Warren Johnson re uh, and Sue. And so if you were a fan of Wonder Woman Dead Earth or the ideas behind the Jurassic League uh, or Extremity, uh, you, you're familiar with Daniel Warren Johnson. You know, this is a Daniel Warren Johnson story. It fits his style, his aesthetic to a T. And if you're someone who is excited by Beta Ray Bill, I almost forgot Beta Ray Bill, this is something that I think you would appreciate. So it is called Do a Powerbomb on the shelves now from image comics oftentimes on the last comic shop we we do recommendations that later we review on this show i I think we're due eventually for another daniel warren johnson series i'm just not sure which one it is because they all sound awesome this one murder falcon there's a lot to pick from uh so i'll go next and this is another series that you can pick up and it stars the man of steel yes Again, one of the things that I was trying to do here in 2022 is read more DC comics, and that's actually spilled over to me picking up some monthly series from uh, DC. And one of the ones that I have been recently reading is actually Action Comics, spurred on by the uh, Future State. I think it was two-issue or three-issue arc that was released way back during that event where you had... Superman being on War World and being a a gladiator and Mongol having him in chains and him beating up people like that. That that kind of captured my imagination. And I uh, wanted to know more about that. So when Action Comics came out with this story about, you know, Superman, you know, going to fight War World because he found out that there were some Kryptonians uh, that had gone to another planet and then ended up being enslaved on World War, and he was going to go and free them. Puts together this team of him and the Authority, 
and they go to War World, and it turns out that in they've got these red suns underneath the planet, so it's making Superman all weak. Mongol just beats the crap out of him, and that's how he gets in prison. <laughs> Starting in Action Comics, 10.30, get this great story that kind of un- is unraveling over 15, 20 issues of Superman trying to free War World. War World. That's awfully hard to say from the grip of Mongol. And it's kind of like, again, Superman meets Planet Hulk. And maybe people might think that's a retread of a retread of a retread. And it's got this character that's kind of like Batman in uh, Midnighter. And that could be seeming like a, a retread of a retread of a retread. But at the same time, it is still Superman in the vein of Planet Hulk, which is kind of awesome. Everything's kind of clicking here. From the wonderful writing of Philip uh, Kennedy Johnson and the wonderful art by Daniel uh, Sampier, I, I just can't get enough of it. It's it's hooked me, and I haven't read a Superman series like issue by issue by issue in probably like 25 years. So if they can get me back reading a Superman series on the regular, uh, I'll take it. So you can fir- pick up the first two volumes and trade paperback. Uh, it's Superman Action Comics Volume 1, War World Rising. And you can also pick up uh, Volume 2, The Arena, which gives you basically, I think it's like the first 12 issues of this arc. And it's uh, filled with like all the things that you love about Superman. The fact that he'll stand up for the little people. In fact, there's one of the lines he says, uh, where Midnighter wants to blow up the whole planet of War World. Because that will just allow Superman to get his powers back. Because there won't be these red suns. And so so Midnighter's like, we're going to do it. And Superman's like, no, that'll kill everybody. He's like, well, why do the people of War World's lives mean more than mine? Superman says, no, they don't mean more, but they don't mean less. Boom! Superman! That's my boy! That's inspiring hope right there. All right, Jay, you're up next with our uh, last uh, recommendation for this week's show. So what do you got for it? So I am recommending also from Boom Studios, and there's a reason for this, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Now, this is uh, a new release by Boom Studios. It's out in trades already They for like volume one, volume two, I think maybe in volume three of trades. Uh, obviously, Buffy the Vampire Slayer created by Joss Whedon. This Stories are written by Jordi Belair with art by Dan Mora and colors by Raul Angulo. It's very much the Sarah Michelle Geller Buffy character in that vein. They even draw Buffy like Sarah Michelle Geller, not the Christy Swanson movie from 92. This is the the series Buffy. So if you're a big fan of Buffy the series, this follows along in, in that respect. What got me into it was the advertisement for it at the end of Something is Killing the Children. Yes! Comic book advertising works, people! It's like reading comic books back in the day, early 90s, when you saw all these great video games! <laughs> and, and, and then in, like the, in the 80s, before there was a lot of video games, when the video game crisis happened, it was like... Dungeons and Dragons ripoff games. That looks so cool. Yes, that was so cool. Yes, like, and you, you like guaranteed that they were the hor- the worst things ever, but right. they looked cool. 
Yeah, it was just like a bunch of like little pixels. They would have these Atari or in television and and you could swear like, oh my gosh, I'm going to play this and you're going to get an experience like Skyrim. No, it was like a pixel guy running across a board and there would be a pixel dragon. It was awful, but I wanted to play him, damn it. You're leaving out the best ads of all time. Hostess fruit pies. The Hostess Twinkies, the Fruit Pies, everyone was stealing them, and the superheroes were going to have to try to get them back. My favorite part is, like, you would get the previews for the Saturday morning cartoon blocks. Like, you'd get, oh, like, yeah. this is what's... two-page oh, spread. Yeah! This is what's going to be on CBS, and they... Muppet Babies, and then watch Dungeons & Dragons, then watch... You know, the Lone Ranger and Shazam show. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to watch all of these. Just give them to me. Star- Saturday Starcade, everywhere. So many good memories. And I know that I bought the issue of The Punisher from the Punisher video game and the issue of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was the cover to that video game, too. <laughs> yes! So it all worked back around to comic books for me. So long story short, comic book advertising works. You want to bring down the cost of comics? Put ads back in. I won't care. And bring me some fruit pie. Hostess, if you're listening, we still remember it. We'll buy your delicious stuff, even at our age. And I would even consider an omnibus of all those fruit pie ads. They were great. They were great. Same thing every time, but they were great. Uh, You know what also is great? The Last Comic Shop. And we hope that you stick around for another week. The Last Comic Shop by rate, reviewing, and subscribing at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com so that you don't miss out on our Black Adam review. Yes, next week, Black Adam is hitting the theaters. Evidently, WB didn't have enough money to put out a lot of other movies. So they're like, let's go with Black Adam. It's got the rock. There's a lot riding on this, kids. You want <laughs> to see is. any more superhero movies from the WB? You better buy your Black Adam ticket today. Right. So we will, all three of us will be going to see Black Adam. We'll have a movie review next week, as well as a comic book review featuring Black Adam, which was really hard to find. Because <laughs> guess what, kids? He's not really that big of a character. They got The Rock to play this dude, but he's been, like, in, like, six comics. And, yes, in in recent years, they've made him more to be, like, the Namor of the DC universe. But, like, seriously, probably starting with 52, that was probably the first time he was anything other than a Shazam bad guy. That's all I'm saying. It helps. He looks like The Rock. He does. What I... I'm interested to know, since The Rock and Vin Diesel have this beef going on, if Black Adam is going to make more money than Bloodshot. (laughs) (laughs) I will take that bet. Because I think Andy and I were the only people to buy tickets to Bloodshot. This is true. It was, that was a bad, bad movie. I was so worried that that was going to be not only the last superhero movie, but the last movie I would see in a theater. Yeah, it's like, please don't let it be Bloodshot. Good golly. <laughs> if you don't want to have to worry about Bloodshot being the last movie you see, then you might be one of us. So head on down to the socials, uh, Twitter and Instagram, at Last Comic Shop, where you can find things like our weekly polls. You can find comic book stuff we're talking about. You can find uh, sweet Golden Age covers to tuck you in at night and all sorts of uh, various social media tree. And if that was too much, you can always just head back to the home base, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, where they can find what else, J.A.? 
We have a link to our merch store where this week we're selling chainsaws, janky ones only. <laughs> Be sure to uh, put your money down for that. We also have, for the Halloween season, our special Halloween designed last comic shop t-shirt with the bats in the belfry. We recommend the orange and or blood red shirt. That, yeah, go. don't go for the, the pure red. You gotta go maroon so it looks like that pop man that's the one i got and it looks really really good i'm wearing it next week to uh baltimore comic con chad and i will be there uh friday saturday and sunday down in the baltimore area make sure that you're checking out that wonderful con there's gonna be a lot of fantastic comic books there a lot of comic book talent Chad and I are very, very excited. So if you see us on the floor wearing our last comic shop shirts, make sure that you come by, say hello. We will be covering that event. It'll be on our social media. And while we may be the last comic shop podcast, we don't actually want to be the last comic shop. So we encourage everybody to go out and find a shop near you where you could pick up something is killing the children. You could pick up action comics, world world, starting around issue 1030 or so. Or maybe you want to go with the new Boom Buffy series with issues hitting the stands currently. Or last but not least, you could do a power bomb from Daniel Warren Johnson. All that and more potentially waiting for you at your local comic shop. Don't know where that is? Use the comic shop locator at www.comicshoplocator.com. All right. And uh, again, I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott every single week. And we hope you come back. Until then. Uh, stay safe. Just stay safe there, f***ing monsters. <laughs> That's true. it. That's true. There are. If you believe, like the anti-Santa Claus. Don't believe in them, then you won't see them or whatever. It's just crazy stuff. I want to see Santa Claus fight these monsters in a power over belief. <laughs> With a Santa Claus. He's Santa Claus. <laughs> now make sure that you check us out. Baltimore Comic Con next weekend. We will be there. Look for Chad and me. J.A. He'll be there in spirit, but not like a monster spirit. Just, you know, like go team spirit. So believe in J.A. But not the fucking monsters. <laughs> Last comic shop was a 2022 Black Angus production.